following audio is from Deering Christian Church. Join us Sunday mornings at either 9 or 10.30 a.m. Communication, so vitally important. So vitally important. Uh, Yesterday, I know you're not all college football fans, so I won't deal with this very long. But I'll just tell you straight up, yesterday was not the best day in the world for the Big 12. We're just going to say, it was, it, it was rough. And, and last night, I may mention them just a little bit, um, KU, okay, KU used to be the worst team in Division I football, and it wasn't that long ago, okay? Yesterday, they played the worst team in Division I football and just about got beat by them, all right? And it, it, was, not, it was not entertaining. It was not fun. There was nothing about it that I really enjoyed. I don't even know. I said, I said, this is going to be a lot of fun. I finally went to bed. If I wake up in the morning and they lost, this is not going to be good at all. You know? It's so funny because they weren't alone. There were some other teams who kind of struggled yesterday. And the thing about that is this. Um, you watch what's going on in the field. Now, in my case, because most of the time I listen, I mean, it's KU. They still don't get on TV much. Okay, I understand that, all right? So I'm listening on the radio a lot, okay? And, and what's taking place on the field is not what's going on in the mind of the coaches on the sideline on days like yesterday. There's somewhere along the lines, there's some sort of execution or communication breakdown. I'm telling you, we know this From experience, brothers and sisters, communication, the great maker or breaker of relationships, okay? Now, real relationship. I'm talking real relationship, and we're going to get into that some today. It it happens, obviously, outside of marriage at times. There's there's great friendships that that we have with people. There's, There's a relationship between family that aren't husband and wife, all right? But here is the thing. It's it's in marriage that it really, really gets real. Relationship, okay? Some of you might know this because he's not bashful about sharing this, and a couple years ago he shared it quite a bit, but um, I think I heard it on, on the Unashamed podcast, but, but Phil Robertson, he was asked by his daughter-in-law, okay, at, at one of the grandchildren, grand, the grand, a grandchild's wedding, that's a big deal for a grandpa, you know, and one of his, one of his granddaughters was getting married. The, the ceremony's already done, it's done, and they're at the wedding reception, and one of Phil's daughters-in-law has the great idea, Phil, would you, would you stand up and give us, give us a scripture? It'd be a, it'd be a good time for that, if you could stand up, and this is where, this is where Phil went comes out of 1 Corinthians 7. This is at a wedding reception, mind you. A celebration of love and marriage. And this is what he said. If you marry, you have not sinned. And if a young woman marries, probably looking at his granddaughter, she's not sinned. Yet such will have trouble in this life, and I'm trying to spare you. His daughter-in-law was not too happy with him of his choice of scripture. I don't think he's been asked probably since at, at the many a weddings of the Robertson family to give a scripture at a wedding or a wedding relationship. All right. This is the thing, though. Those of us in this room who've been married for any time, period of time, over 10 years, okay, we understand that in marriage, relationship gets real, okay? And it's not always easy. But don't we all desire real relationship? 
whether it be friendship, whether it be marriage, whatever it might be, don't we desire that? Have, to have the privilege and the opportunity to be real without worry. To have the trust, love, the loyalty there to know I can be real. I really can. I have a question for you. Does the God of this universe desire real relationship? I mean real relationship. We're going to go from this for a moment here to the beginning. We're going to go to the beginning. We're going to ponder this for a moment. I want you to ponder for a moment the simple paradise of Eden. The Garden of Eden. Yes, it was a reality. It is no fairy tale. It existed and it is our history. Right? Garden of Eden, what took place there? You've got, you've got this couple, Adam and Eve, living in this paradise, working, relaxing. They're experiencing community. They're experiencing pleasure. They're experiencing relationship. On top of that, they are experiencing relationship with God in his presence. Literal heaven on earth. Not figurative here. Just being figuratively in any way whatsoever. It was literal heaven on earth. And we have no idea how long that glorious arrangement lasted. We just know that sometime in there it fell apart. We don't know. And some people like to say, well, Adam and Eve, it took a while. They didn't have any kids in that arrangement. So it must not have lasted too long. I'm not so sure about that, all right? I mean, when you're going to, when you're going to live forever, okay, um, what's the rush? You understand what I'm saying here? Okay? I got a feeling that this went on for some period of time. Heaven on earth. But when God dismissed Adam and Eve from that garden because they fell, because they rebelled, because they sinned, Adam and Eve were not the only ones who lost a lot. You see, their primary part of what made Eden so amazing, their relationship with God in that physical way and being there with him, walking with him, talking with him as we sung in the garden, all right? It was gone as well. Now, we all kind of get hung up on after eating this fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil that they figured out and they realized, hey, we don't have any clothes on, right? And we kind of focus on that just a little bit. So they go and try to make some clothing for themselves, which that had never been done before, all right? So understand, they probably weren't too good at it, all right? They're using fig leaves to try to make some clothing, all right? But you know what happens? Look closely. What happens there in Genesis is they hear the sound. Now, this just blows my mind. Of God walking in the garden. And what did they do? They hid from him. They were afraid. You see, this relationship, this real relationship was over. Their innocence was lost. Now a little bit more on that later. Yeah, I truly believe Eden was heaven on earth, okay? 
But I still think, I still think that in the day and the life that we live in, we still get little tiny brief glimpses of, of heaven here in our world. I, I think we do. I really believe that. As a matter of fact, let me tell you this. I think we can all be on this same page. The next time, like, the clouds open up and it rains, not for 15 minutes, like it rains and it rains, I'm going to be like, okay, this, this, is, this is like what heaven's going to be like, at least in a small part right here. Like, like I can't wait. I'm going to do a mud angel. Told you about that, all right? It's coming, okay? Because it's coming. But this can be very, very, this is the thing. You can define those, those heaven on earth moments for yourself because they are very, very personal, okay? But there is one part of heaven, of these little brief glimpses, there is one part of heaven that will elude us until our death or until Jesus comes back. And it's this, being in the personal, physical presence of God the Father. That's not going to happen here. We get a little bit of a glimpse of, of heaven on earth too. In a kind of an interesting type of way, also from the Old Testament. I told you we're going to be in Numbers. All right? so, and this is long after the Garden of Eden. Here in Numbers chapter 12. Right? What we have going on here at this time is a guy by the name of Moses is on the scene now. Um, God used Moses to bring the nation of Israel out of Egypt. Right? Across the Red Sea. All of these, the Exodus, all of these things. All right? And now they, they are awaiting being able to go to the promised land one day. That, that's where we're at. So you got Moses. Now let's read a little bit about Moses. Has anybody in here ever experienced a little something called sibling rivalry? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you, Caleb. <laughs> I'm sure he wasn't the only one who was at least, he voiced it. But I think a lot of us were thinking it, all right? Uh, guess what? Sibling rivalry, been around for a while, okay? Look at that Cain and Abel thing. Okay, so this has gone on for, for some time. So I'm going to read for you out of, again, Numbers chapter 12. And we see a little bit of the sibling rivalry going on. Then Miriam and Aaron, the sister and the brother, right, of, of Moses. Now here's the thing. Most times in that day and in that age when you had a man and a woman who were brought up by name, oftentimes the, the brother was brought up first. This time Miriam's name is brought up first. And when it comes to things getting real, when it comes to punishment here in a little bit, it's Miriam. So Miriam was stirring up some trouble. And Aaron was right beside her in this. So, little sibling rivalry going on. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman he had married. For he had married a Cushite woman. Married some foreign gal. Good grief. All right. Verse 2. And they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us as well? Get this, and the Lord heard this. He heard it. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than any man who was on the face of the earth. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses and Aaron and Miriam, you three come out to the tent of meeting. So the three of them came out. You know what this is right here? This is like God showing up and saying, go to the principal's office. I mean, I know there's probably some in this room who've been to the principal's office before, but imagine going to God's principal's office, all right? So they're probably, oh boy, what we got going on here? Okay. Verse 5, then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the doorway of the tent. He called Aaron and Miriam. 
When they had both come forward, he said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, shall make myself known to him in a vision. I shall speak with him in a dream, not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all of my household. With him I speak mouth to mouth. Some of your versions will say face to face, even openly and not in dark sayings. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servants, against my servant, against Moses? So the anger of the Lord burned against them and he departed. When the cloud had withdrawn from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous, as white as snow. As Aaron turned toward Miriam, behold, she was leprous. Then Aaron said to Moses, O my Lord, I beg you, do not account this sin to us in which we have acted foolishly and which we have sinned. O do not let her be like one dead whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes from his mother's womb. Moses cried out to the Lord saying, O God, heal her, I pray. But the Lord said to Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, she would not bear that shame for seven days? Let her be shut up seven days outside the camp. Afterward, she may be received again. So Miriam was shut up outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on until Miriam was received again, and she was healed after that seven days. What a deal going on here. We find out a little bit in this passage, a little bit more, not only about Miriam and about Aaron, we find out a little bit more about Moses. And what we find out is this, there is no man in Scripture besides Jesus Christ himself who can compare to Moses. None of them can. For one reason above all others. Because of Moses, because of his relationship with God. The thing about Moses, all right, guys, once he shows up in Exodus, like he does, look at your Bibles. He like shows up again and again and again. When people talk about the law, they talk about Moses. When people talk about the fathers, they talk about Moses. When they talk about the the bringing of, of God, bringing his people out of Egypt, the Exodus, the Passover, they talk about Moses. Guess who showed up to talk with Jesus before Jesus went to the cross on a place we call the Mountain of Transfiguration? Moses and Elijah. Okay, we touched on this very briefly last week, the second to the last book of our Bible. Very short book, we don't look at that much. It's kind of crazy we looked at it two weeks in a row. Jude, who was a half-brother of Jesus. And you know what he had to say about Moses? It's crazy, all right? Moses was so highly esteemed amongst people that when he died, nobody went to his funeral. And I know what you're saying. Uh, That's backwards, Jamie. Like, people who are really well thought of have really big funerals. Here's the problem. God knew that people are stupid, all right? And they knew that if these people knew where Moses was buried, they would do something dumb, like worship at his grave, like build some shrine to Moses or something. So you know what God did? God buried him. There was one, one at Moses' funeral, and that one was God. And nobody knew where he was buried. And then Jude lets us on, on this little piece of this little piece of mystery. He says that the 
archangel, the high general, the captain, if you will, of God's host, Michael. Like, he's like one powerful angel, all right? He disputed and argued with Satan over the body of Moses after Moses died. Like, wow! This is the Moses that we're talking about. As you can see, God thought quite a bit of Moses. Before we move on, before we move on and go to the next place, all right, we just ought to think about this for a moment. What made Moses so different? What was so special about Moses? We get a little bit of a glimpse of it in verse 3. Now, something we need to understand about verse 3 that's a little awkward, (laughs) okay? You know who wrote Numbers? Moses. So verse 3 is just kind of a little strange, all right? But keep in mind, Moses was writing the will of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. So understand that. I imagine this was a little strange to write because it sounds strange. This is verse 3. Now the man Moses was very humble. More than any man who was on the face of the earth. They're like, sure, Moses wrote it. Okay. Maybe we should look just for a second at what happens in chapter 11 that will spell this out a little bit better for us, all right? What's going on in chapter 11, one of these times that God came to visit, and understand something, when God came down in this pillar of cloud at the tabernacle, you got to understand, God was, God was holding back, he was hiding, he was, for the sake of the people, even, even, even like Moses and Miriam and, and Aaron, he was holding back a good portion of his glory. So, 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 don't, so don't forget that, all right? Moses would, would be with God face to face, but even Moses, God had to hold back just a little bit, all right? Okay. Here's the thing. One of these times that God came down to visit, there was a pretty crazy thing that happened. There were people in the tribes in the camp of Israel that began to prophesy. If you look, there are a couple guys like Medad and he dad or something, I don't know, they got some dad names, all right, in chapter 11, and they start prophesying by the power of the Lord. Like the spirit of the Lord came upon them, they're prophesying, and this young man, we didn't even get the young man's name, this young man come up to Joshua and said, Joshua, these guys are out here prophesying, they're speaking the word of the Lord, and Joshua's like, well, we can't have that. So Joshua goes running to Moses and said, this me dad, he dad, whatever dad, they're out there, they're prophesying, all right, by the power of the Lord, stop them. And Moses looks at him and says, you dummy. He's like, if it, it would be, I would love it if everybody spoke the word of the Lord. What do you think is so special about me? Let him speak the word of the Lord. That's a humble man, brothers and sisters. This man was very humble. Let me tell you, you want a real relationship with God? Perhaps the first step is a humble heart. You know, the Old Testament is chock full of of great men and women. It is, we could just go down the list, brothers and sisters, and start naming them off. The judges, the kings. Now, a lot of them were bad, but there were some good ones. There's a guy by the name of David you've probably heard of a few times before. Another guy by the name of Elijah you've probably heard of before. Maybe this fella named Abraham, you ever heard of that guy? All right, we're talking about some incredible heroes, incredible people within the Old Testament. But only Moses spoke with God face to face. All of those people, those myriads of people, 
only Moses did that. I would say that it's not the best of odds to be someone who's going to meet and speak with God face to face. Something I want you to remember. Remember this. This is where we're headed today. God desires relationship with us enough that he created us knowing full well what the future would hold. He's God. God knew for a fact that we are rebels at our very core. We are rebellious by nature. God created us knowing that it was not going to be easy to do this relationship thing with people. See, Adam and Eve had innocence at one time. I'm talking about an innocence that put them in a place where they could walk and talk with God and not have to be worried about being undone by his glory. That's innocence. And Adam and Eve had that. They lost it. Moses, he had a level of humility unachieved by anyone else of his time. And you could almost probably say unachieved by anybody else, period. He was, he was a humble dude. The odds aren't great for us. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. And the question is, how do we get back to God? We're rebels, and God doesn't abide rebels. How do we get back to him? You know the answer. You know the answer is Jesus. You know, you know that it's through Jesus that our innocence is regained. And my goodness, brothers and sisters, this is what I want us to think about here for just a moment. God put Adam and Eve into this world knowing full well what it was going to take to have real relationship with people. He knew what he was going to have to suffer. He knew what he was going to have to endure. Matter of fact, as we looked at last week, before the flood, what did, what did it say there in Genesis, that book of beginnings? God was what? Sorry that he made mankind. I don't read too much into that, all right? Because God knew he was going to be sorry when he made us. He's God. What I'm telling you is he has endured so much. God died. So that we could come back to him. Why would God go to all of this trouble to have real relationship? With any one of us. I'm going to ask that question one more time. Why would God go to all of this trouble. To have real relationship with any one of us. Let me ask you a question. There's a supernatural gift. That I'm glad to say none of us have. Because I don't know what it would do to us. Right? And this is it. What would the ability to read the minds and hearts of others do to your relationships? If you could read the mind and heart of others and they could read yours. What do you think?
think that would do with your relationships? Let me ask this. What would that do to your marriage? Let's think about this for just a moment. Husbands, your wife can read your every thought. Wives, your husbands can do the same. What's that going to do to your relationship? Oh, it's going to be wonderful. Whatever, that's a nightmare. You better be thankful. I can tell you right now, you better be thankful. You cannot read the minds of your spouse or your friends. Because you wouldn't like them anymore. (laughs) And they probably wouldn't like you either. God reads our hearts and minds every day. Every stinking day. He knows what's going on up here. He knows what's going on in here. And it just blows my mind that he still desires to be with me. Our God is relational because our God is love.